he's a big dude, man. I mean, you know, we were yeah. gushing about Cam Davis last week, Royal Williams. Man, I mean, he's no joke. And he said that he's been working out since he was like seven years old. I mean, seven years old, I was probably playing nope. like blocks or something. I don't even know what I was doing. So that's <laughs> maybe I was a little bit younger. But I mean, either way. Damn, that, geez, that's it took you a little while there to get a, get some uh, growth there, huh? <laughs> hey, guys, it's Terrence Nan. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by Noel Game Day. Go Dolls. Hey, what's up? This is Peter Ward, a.k.a. Hey, Doug, in the house. You know, we're listening to Hear the Spear, presented by No Game Day. Go live, go nose. Hi, this is Charlie Ward, and you're listening to Hear the Spear, go nose. This is Terrell Fuckley. You're listening to Hear the Spear, presented by No Game Day. No bloody. But perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Dion Primetime Sanders. Great Dion Sanders, my brother. What's going on, man? I, I could wake up to that greedy every day, man. That was awesome. Hello, those fans. This is former Seminole Derek Brooks, and you're listening to Hear the Spear, presented to you by No Game Day. James Wilder Jr. What's going on, James? Thanks for having me on. SSOD, Florida State or Die, and go no. William Barnon Floyd. Gentlemen, what's up? What's happening, guys? This is Logan Robinson from Fear the Spear, presented to you by NoGameDay.com. We are here live on a wonderful, fantastic Wednesday evening. Gentlemen, happy Valentine's Day. How are we feeling? Feeling great. You know, I'm, I'm not sure my wife is feeling the same right now, but I'm still here and ready to do the show. I'm in shock that this is happening right now. I, I, I'm I not too. for sure we're going to get a text like, hey, guys, can we do Tuesday and Thursday, which I would have been completely fine with. I fully understand that. Me and BZ are the single ones here, so we don't have to do that. But what, how are you making up for this? Is there dinner after this? Are you cooking dinner right after this? Or did you already do that before the show? You know, I'm, I'm not really sure what's going to happen yet. There were... <laughs> There was some stern. There was a there was a stern discussion to make it tonight, and she did she did ask, uh, you know, why isn't this happening on Tuesday or Thursday? And I was like, they said it's got to happen on Wednesday. So I we never said nothing. Let's not, yeah. let's not put anything out there publicly. You know, uh, Gina, if you're listening plan. to we this, do, we do Wednesdays at seven, <laughs> even on Valentine's Day. That's right. I, here we are. Here we are. I fully expect that this just be me and Logan tonight. I really did. Yeah, I thought me, Logan, it, and the cast, especially yep. for a podcast without much substance. Yeah, why am I even here? I know there's not much to talk about this week. We've got a few things. I'll jump through the timeline not here, but we're going to talk go about. Go ahead on it. No, yeah, that go might ahead. be the best yeah. way for you. No, you've already bought in. Now you ain't getting out. Now <laughs> you better <laughs> figure out sit. those dinner plans. We're going to get a taxi oh, oh, on the couch. More flowers, I guess. I don't <laughs> figure yeah, it out. You better work on getting some more flowers. You, you're going to have Valentine's a week after this, but. <laughs> Uh, yeah, with me this evening, Austin Vizi, our lead basketball writer at Noel Game Day, and down below is our editor in chief, D. Lou Dustin Lewis. We have a few things to talk about tonight. It's not going to be a long pod, uh, no guests. We're looking to hopefully bring on some more uh, later this month. But we're going to talk Super Bowl. Derek Nadi, three-time Super Bowl champion. We've got some newcomer interviews along with Florida State's future starting quarterback, DJ, along with Rodell Williams. We've got it, Richie Leonard. Some of those quotes from uh, the last couple of days uh, got some good quotes from them. So going to run through a handful of those. I know there were some other guys that talked as well, but those are the primary ones I wanted to bring up. Uh, we've got Combine invites, 12 former Seminoles heading to Indy, one of the largest team invites 
uh, going to this year's NFL Combine in Indianapolis. So uh, we're going to talk about that and discuss as all of us here are really uh, big fans of the NFL Combine in general. So it's going to be a fun one for us to cover uh, coming soon. And then we're going to talk some ESPN way too early rankings and where Florida State sits at that. And then we've got a PFF updated mock draft where now three Seminoles are sitting in there in the top 100. And one of these guys, Braden Fisk, is going to a team that I think a lot of us would really like for him to land at. So that's going to finish off the show along with some basketball scoop after basketball had a rough loss on the road where VZ was in attendance against Virginia Tech. So got a handful of things, but it won't take too long. If anybody has any questions or topics, please throw that into the chat. And I'll be sure to lead the guys into some discussions if you have any stuff for us to talk about. But let's jump into it, guys. Super Bowl weekend football is done. It sucks. That's the sad part about it. But still got to talk about it. Derek Nottie is a three-time Super Bowl champion. Congratulations to him. He was inactive for the game, but is dealing with injury rehab in there. But still, nonetheless, he's got three rings. It's going to count on his Wikipedia, and that's what matters the most. But shout out to Nadi. That's absolutely wild. A guy that I think kind of surprised some Florida State fans, and that's how some of these guys do. They go in the league, and they're like, maybe not expecting a whole ton from them, but he's a guy that stayed consistent, has been a playmaker for the Chiefs throughout his career in Kansas City. But uh, overall, though, Chiefs get it done against uh, the 49ers, which uh, went against my guess the other night. I was kind of 50-50. Didn't really give a definitive answer, but I ended up going with 49ers. But sure enough, Patrick Mahomes does what he does best. And, you know, kind of just felt like when you're going to the overtime, Patrick Mahomes, that's, you know, which way it's leading. Yeah, I think last week when we talked about it, we were all just kind of hoping for a good game. But I can't lie, it is a little sweet to start off the year 1-0 while you're 0-1. Facts. Yeah, I, I remember saying here last week, can't go against Mahomes. Just can't do it. And he figures it out. He always does. Always does, and yep. he delivered on that last fourth uh, fourth quarter drive. He delivered in overtime. He does what Patrick Mahomes does. He's a beast. He's a beast. Also, just some big storylines from it. Obviously, Taylor Swift stuff going on, but Travis Kelsey going at it with Andy Reid. That was and that was wild. Stuff. I'm not a I'm not a huge fan Travis Kelsey. I, I'm not. I was before, but something changed, and it doesn't have to do with the Taylor Swift thing. I think it's great for football. I love having more ladies get into it with football and get involved with them more with the girlfriends, wives, everybody. You know, staying tuned in and bringing her fan base over to the football side. I have no problem with that whatsoever. But Kelsey kind of just seems like a just one one of those guys that kind of just gets on your nerves a tiny bit. But nonetheless, though, that dude's an absolute beast, and he was off going off in the second half. And uh, Patrick Mahomes just knows what to do, and you know. There was some question marks throughout the season on, you know, they keep in, they have these teams stick with them a little bit going in the third and fourth quarter, but they put them away. And that's something that, you know, going back a few years, I think, uh, you know, it's just something that's just so special with Patrick Mahomes. He, he will keep his team in it no matter what. And also to the Chiefs defense, just continue to get better and better and better as the year went out. And, you know, if you match a good defense with already what you got with Patrick Mahomes, which usually saves a defense and games. How are you going to lose? And uh, just, just a, it, it was fun. It was fun to watch. How about the halftime show? Did y'all enjoy Usher? Yeah, everyone in the room that I was in really liked it when he took his shirt off. <laughs> maybe not, I, me. maybe not me as much, but everyone. Well, I don't. I think you were 
pointing to you being one of those people. I, I honestly didn't pay much attention. No? No. Not a big Usher fan. Just, no, that's our age group, though, man. He was popping eh, back then. Eh, I mean, he still is. That eh. uh, was pretty entertaining throughout it. I thought it was a good show for it to be that way. I uh, I really liked the one a couple years ago when that was in L.A., though, whenever he had that was Dr. A good one. Dre, 50 Cent, yeah. Snoop, Eminem, like, absolutely stacked. That was awesome. Um, but still, Usher great performer so i thought it was fun to watch um any other storyline anything other crazy that happened from the super bowl obviously what happened today it's hard to like kind of just yeah go off of you know just ignore that but awful situation during the super bowl parade there in kansas city just uh, as country is uh, and and i don't know a lot of question marks about what needs to be done but that i Terrible, terrible situation there on what should have been a really fun and exciting time for fans to celebrate their favorite football team just gets ruined by classless acts and senseless people. So absolutely terrible and thoughts and prayers to them. But uh, yeah, gentlemen, football, football's over. Now, now we're now we're done. Uh, like now what do I do on Saturdays if there's no UFC, if there's no yeah, there's college basketball. Now, if I'm not really keeping up crazy up to date with Florida State basketball, then I tell you what. But that's good, though, for like fans that actually are tuned into college basketball. You do still have college basketball, so that's good. But it's just hard for me to buy into that when I guess FSU's not doing good. I'm not keeping an eye on the ACC and where those standings are, you know. But um, it was tough. You're also getting to the end of basketball, so you're kind of going towards that purgatory period and – then it's baseball and softball time. Just, I mean, just not really, not really my sports, unfortunately. And yeah, I can't wait for uh, you. Got some Florida State spring ball coming up here, March and April. But after that, it's going to be uh, really bland until that July August period. Yeah, well, once once the uh, to me once the NBA ends and it's that like yeah two month stretch of just baseball, uh, that, that that's the worst mm. part of the year. It's, it's horrible. Yeah, it is tough. I think all of us on this show are not heavy into baseball as much. I've tried to get more into it. I've been to a lot of MLB games just right down the road for the Rays, but I'm a Giants fan, so I can't pull fully yet for the Rays, but I've been going to a lot of baseball games. I'm trying to get more into it, but it's just so many, man. You, you just can't keep up. My guy Buster Posey retired a couple years ago, so that's what really kept me dialed into baseball in general, but the Giants, of course, but baseball, I can't can't do it i just can't do it maybe later down the road but when football is going like how much it is we don't really have an off season until about right now when things die down from the transfer portal signing day everything like that once it simmers down we're we're, we're just stale we're just waiting for spring ball like d Lou's doing um which let's jump into a few of those interviews guys we heard from a handful the last two days on tuesday and wednesday but i think we should start off d Lou with DJ and a few things that we heard today from him. Uh, someone to me that feels really, really excited about being in Tallahassee. Yeah, it seemed pretty obvious from his interview that when he when he entered the transfer portal and Florida State got in contact, that was really the only option that he was kind of considering. And, you know, obviously there was a little bit of a waiting game there while 
Florida State uh, made their pursuits at Cam Ward, but eventually it ended up working out how both parties won. And, you know, Mike Norvell and Tony Tokars were really sold on what DJ can bring to this offense in 2024. It's obviously going to look a little bit different. He's got some different, some similarities, but obviously a lot of differences from what Jordan Travis brought to Florida State the last couple of years. And it seems like he's already come in, you know, hit the ground running a little bit talked about how he's the older statesman in that quarterback room and, you know, going to do his best to kind of pass off some knowledge on Brock Glenn and Luke Cromanhawk and some of those other guys in that quarterback room uh, throughout the year, because he's just played so much football, has a ton of experience um, starting not only at Clemson, but Oregon state. So, I mean, there's some really good qualities that can rub off on some of those younger quarterbacks as they watch him prepare throughout the year. But I mean, really just throughout the interview, I was, I was impressed, um, with his poise and really how much he talked about that he wanted to be at Florida State. And he's really excited about this system and sold on the coaching staff and really the development that the Seminoles have had on the field the last couple of years. Yep, he called it uh, an unbelievable place so far and just enjoying his time in Tallahassee. He grew up a Jameis Winston fan. Uh, you know, he said one of his favorite away games that he's been to in his college career has been in Tallahassee in Doak whenever he came in 2022 to play against the Seminoles, just hearing the war chant blasting, watching Osceola and Renegade plant the spear. He specifically told us that, you know, that's something that he always remembered. And, you know, now that he's going to be on the home side of that and the Garnet and Gold, you can only imagine what kind of feeling he's going to get whenever Florida State kicks off their 2024 season. And Doe Campbell Stadium, he's going to be looking forward to that a big time. He said, too, something that stood out to me, and I'm really interested, Dealey, whenever you guys get to go out there, you and Tommy and the, and the rest of the guys get to see them at tour of duty. But he said a lot of these guys have a chip on their shoulder, and these guys are hungry to get after it during these, during these drills and everything. And that's something that stands out to me because I think, too, you just look at what Mike Norvell did this offseason and the momentum that he found to kind of re reconstructure this roster after how many playmakers. We just said 12 of them going to the NFL Combine, plus some more, too, that we're projecting to you know, hit that pro level like Akeem Dent. You know, these guys are... are Little, maybe a little pissed off about what happened this last season. And that's why I'm not overlooking this team. Like, that's why I brought the question to Giant Jones. You know, this is a 12 team playoff. You know, it's not like we're Florida State's just going to miss on this season and then get ready for 2025. You know, they're looking to still make a run here in this 2024 season, get to that ACC championship, get to that college football playoff berth. But just as for him to mention that to us and say specifically, these guys look like they're really hungry and got that chip on their shoulder intrigues me a little bit. A team takes on the personality of their head coach, especially when that head coach is doing a good job. And Mike Norvell, you know, he hasn't been one to <clears throat> sit back and accept that snub from the college football playoff. He's been outspoken at every point and, you know, obviously says that you can only control what you can control. But that was a decision that, I mean, Florida State's still reeling from. And especially in the aftermath, that was really tough for everybody around the program. And I think now as we've moved past it a little bit here and starting to move towards the next season and, you know, tour of duty, the guys are back out there together working on their not only conditioning, but also com camaraderie and really building a team um, at this point of, of the off season. And I think, th I think this is something, you know, in the, in the, in the aftermath that really sucked, but this is something that this team can really pull together and rally around now and go on this little revenge tour. And same thing with a lot of these guys that they're bringing in who, 
you know, some of them produce at their previous stops, but some of them this is going to be their first chance to really show off that talent that they had in high school on the field and expanded roles at the college level. There's something here with that chip on the shoulder, that underdog mentality that Florida State can really attack this offseason. Mm-hmm. There was a few other guys that I wanted to point out. Dilu, you might have some guys and some quotes that you want to bring up, but specifically for me, got to hear from Alabama running back transfer Rodell Williams. Mm-hmm. He said that Mike Norvell was the first guy that contacted him right off the bat once he entered the transfer portal. He says that he brings a lot of power with this run. And he said, you know, he feels like he can fit that style that Trey Benson brought the last two seasons for Florida State's running back room. He called Trey Benson a monster when going back and looking back at some of his film. But this is a guy, you go back and look at some of his tape. There's some highlights out there on Twitter of him running over cats. That's, that's, you know, Mike Norvell is looking at his chops at what he can add to this running back room, but that they do need that into the addition of what you have with Lawrence Toa Philly and his capabilities and a handful of some other guys, some youngsters too, like a Cam Davis that's going to have to get kind of build that experience on the college level. But Roydell Williams, I thought was really impressive from what we heard from this uh, this week. He's a big dude, man. I mean, you know, we were yeah. gushing about Cam Davis last week, Roydell Williams. Man, I mean, he's no joke, and he said that he's been working out since he was like seven years old. I mean, seven years old, I was probably playing like blocks or something. I don't even know what I was doing. So that's maybe I was a little bit younger, but I mean, either way. Damn, that, geez, that's it insane. took you a little while there to get get some uh, growth there. huh? <laughs> that's insane. But um, like you said, Florida State was the first school to reach out to him once he hit that transfer portal. And he said after that conversation with Mike Norvell, you know, he said that he felt like he could tell that Norvell had good intentions for him and he was pretty much sold after that phone call and another guy, you know, who's only been here for not even two months at this point since he enrolled at Florida state. And he's already talking about how close everyone is in the running back room and how they've got a group chat and are always uh, keeping up with one another. So, I mean, it seems like another seamless fit into a uh, Florida state's locker room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That running back room, we were talking about, I think the last episode, one to watch out for the spring to just show how much talent is in that room specifically. Rodell Williams adds to that. Another guy, too, I thought this was good, Richie Leonard, uh, the transfer from Florida offensive lineman, specifically talking about tour duty here, uh, just mentioning a little bit different than the past place that he was at down there in Gainesville. He said it's the real deal. It's on a whole other level. Uh, and we've heard that plenty of past transfers before and a couple cycles before and now as these newcomers come in, even some of the Alabama guys mentioned, you know, it's at that tier what Alabama brings. And, yeah, it's no joke from what Coach Storms and more Mike Norvell build for these guys. But uh, just hearing that from a UF guy, you know, FSU fans were loving and playing around with that quote the last couple of days. I really liked his interview, you know, mature guy. And not everyone can move from one rival to another. You know, I think it's something that you don't really take lightly with him transferring from Florida to FSU. And he got a lot of flack whenever he announced that decision to do so. There were some Florida players, guys that are still in Gainesville, guys that were former players who have now transferred elsewhere themselves who were calling out Leonard for transferring to Tallahassee for his final season of eligibility. But, I mean, he's just kind of taken it all in stride, you know, didn't really take any shots at UF. Like, I mean, he, he could have done during his press conference and, you know, Kind of excited about this one, flying a little bit under the radar, but he's got a ton of experience, was you know a solid starter last season for the Gators, said that he's uh, willing to cross-train at Florida State, so you know, it wouldn't surprise me if he gets a little bit of a look at center this spring, so Florida State can have some backups ready to go in case uh, Maurice gets banged up at some point in this upcoming year, and 
yeah, it should be a quality, another quality addition, you know, not only on the field, but to the locker room. And that's something that Florida State um, takes. It's so highly in the recruiting process is not only are these guys going to be talented on the field, but are they going to be able to fit in with the current guys in place? And I think Richie does. Mm -hmm. Yep. Fits exactly what you want to have with Atkins and that just open-mindedness to be, hey, I can go over to another position, learn this. You look at, you know, Darius Washington is a prime example mm -hmm. of the success he's found with that. And you can go in and plug whatever, whatever time it is, whatever day, whatever quarter, whatever position. That's just Darius Washington. So he's he's been uh, great over there and taking on new roles. Someone I didn't get to listen to, and I don't know if you were able to a whole ton, Dilu, because we had a meeting going on during these interviews, but Camden Fryer, I felt like I had him on Zoom over here on my left monitor while we were in that meeting. Couldn't hear what he was saying, but I swear he had a 20-plus minute interview. We've had him on the show before, and yeah, he, he both him and Luke, they can talk, and they do a great job, and um, they represent Florida State well. But anything that you got to take away from Camden Fryer's interview, someone that I really wanted to listen to but just couldn't do on uh, Tuesday? Yeah, I mean, really just another <clears throat> impressive Mike Norvell tidbit because um, Camden was talking about a visit that he made earlier in his recruitment, and this was before he had an offer from Florida State. And Mike Norvell brought him and his family up to his office. And the way Camden kind of recited the story was Norvell talked to him and he's like, I wish I could offer every legacy prospect, but if I did that, I'd end up losing my job. So he's like, I don't basically, I don't take these kind of decisions lightly. And he talked to Camden. And he said, I'm offering you a scholarship because of you, not because of your ties to the program. And Camden said that was a conversation that really resonated with him uh, those next couple of weeks after he departed from that visit. And shortly after that, he ended up committing to FSU and, you know, stuck with them throughout the process, even though he had interest from Alabama and plenty of other schools down the stretch. And I really think <clears throat> this is going to be a sneaky good addition. You know, Camden played in um, a lower classification in Florida during high school over there at uh, Columbia. And um, he's someone with a ton of speed. You know, me and Logan have gotten to see him work out before at one of those elite camps a while back. And he was one of the most impressive guys out there. You know, maybe a, a smaller guy, but still uh, a lot of potential. And just one of those guys that turns into a pest. You know, he lines up across from you. You're not expecting much. And he just starts taking your lunch money, basically. And it, it sounds like he's already hitting the ground running in tour of duty. And uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be fun to see him out there in the spring, along with some of these other wide receivers that have already made it to campus. Mm -hmm. And this is a guy too, uh, you know, depending on what coach storms does with them, I don't need to see a whole ton of crazy size added onto him. You want to keep that speed, that elusiveness, but he's really great in one-on-ones and just seeing him up in person against some really good competition. Some guys in defensive backroom current commits or some guys that got a offer like when Darius Jones at that time, mm -hmm. those two were battling, you know, and you know, he was winning a good amount of reps and, for some of those deep balls too with Luke that he was catching, you know, they were already building, they've already built a ton of chemistry together, but Camden is someone to not sleep on whenever we talk about that wide receiver room. Not sure if he'll make an, you know, an immediate impact like that, just because of how much, how many guys and talent there is with some experience ahead of him. But Camden is someone that we'll be monitoring heavily, you know, going in through his first couple of years at Florida state, really, yeah. really talented. And you remember last spring, you know, Vandravius kind of popped up and, and had a really yeah. good spring for, I mean, it being his first couple of months here in Tallahassee after arriving from the uh, the 2023 recruiting recruiting class. It wouldn't surprise me the same thing if we get out there and we see Camden 
making some plays and he starts ending up on those practice reports. Yep. Yeah. I, that's exactly what I was thinking there. Someone that probably going to be writing about quite a bit, D. Lou, and your practice recaps. Um, anything else from interviews that stood out to you? There was a question in here from pandas asking us, you know, which newcomers has impressed y'all the most in practice and interviews. We don't have practice yet. They're just going through tour of duties. So uh, we won't have some practice stuff to really be able to give some intel on or give our thoughts on until we get into March time after spring break. But interview wise, I think Dilo, you and I will agree on this one. Both Cam Davis, extremely, extremely impressive. Um, that's why I noted on a lot of our listeners last week to go back and listen to that interview that we had with him uh, a year ago. He's really a kid that so mature gives great answers and you can just tell the loyalty the loyalty is just in his voice and how much he loves the university coach yak florida state's running backs coach and mike Norvell. and he, it's just a kid that bleeds garnet and gold that's you can't get any better in that and what you're bringing in the recruiting class and in that locker room and hard worker on and off the field i don't know just a it was a great interview that we heard from him and his newcomer interview last week he's just yeah so impressive so mature and um, just the way that he stuck to that commitment over the last couple of years and now for it all to come full circle and him to arrive at Florida State to begin his college career. I'm really excited to see what he's going to bring to Florida State, not only on the field, but off the field. I think he's going to have a big impact in Tallahassee over the next couple of years. Um, another one, <clears throat> just kind of thinking back, I was really impressed, and I mentioned it last week, Sione Lolohia, uh, another guy who I, I just really like the way that he approached that interview, very thoughtful very detailed with his answers, you know, and talking about coming in and some of these other defensive ends that are in the room and kind of working with them to to grow at Florida State and, and have a good 2024 season. I think that's one that fans are going to like a lot and one that we haven't yet mentioned tonight but happened, uh, I, I think it was last Friday, Logan, but Luke Cromanhawk yeah. finally had his interview, and that was one that did go about 20 minutes. And, I mean, he talked about – every topic under the sun and another one where i mean we're talking about a 17 18 year old kid who just got to florida state a couple of weeks ago standing up there in front of the podium and i mean just every every person that asked him a question you know he's saying yes sir and then going into the answer i mean just so mature so respectful and you just kind of see those qualities i mean and basically and basically every newcomer that's went up there you know the way that they operate and the way they can answer these questions um all mature thoughtful guys and seems like they're going to be positive additions to the locker room but as far as guys standing out yeah cam sione luke cromanhawk i mean there's plenty of other ones that have been great as well but those three um stick with me yep yep those guys dj i thought did well today too just because that was his first time talking with the fsu media and you know dealing with all of us isn't the most fun at times so whenever you're going out in front of everyone and and you know having to meet everyone like that he was very presentful and uh, i think fsu fans just will understand that he's kind of got a little bit of that jade trap personality with him where he'd rather show it on the field and he admitted that he's not a crazy vocal guy but if need be he will be and he'll step into that place so uh he harped a lot on to the talent that he's got around him which excites him a ton and that and that wide receiver room tight end room running back room everywhere he's really stoked and i would imagine he should be because mike Harrell has built up a, a pretty good amount of talent that he's gonna be able to work with uh in the next you know coming months whenever he starts building some really good chemistry and, and spring camp and we head into that 2024 season 
Uh, let's jump into some combine stuff, guys. Man, 12 former FSU football stars are going to Indy. We had a few of them already on the show before telling us that they'd be heading that way with Braden Fisk and Jarian Jones. But here they are, Jordan Travis, Keon Coleman, Braden Fisk, Jarian Jones, Jared Verse, Johnny Wilson, Fabian Lovett, Kalen DeLoach, Tatum Bethune, Trey Benson, Renardo Green, and Jaheim Bell. Just a handful of absolute athletic freaks, VZ, it feels like. Just we're going to be watching this and having popcorn out with the keyboard and getting some work done. But still, just like for any kind of scout or anything, and a lot of scouts that have come and visited the FSU's practices the last two years, looking at these guys, just freaks of nature that we're going to be watching uh, on during the NFL Combine. But before any of that, justice for Akeem Dent. Where's he at? Yeah. That's someone that needs to be at the combine for sure, the way he played his senior season. But yeah, Florida State's got some athletes. Between Keon Coleman, Trey Benson's going to be a high weight speed freak. Yeah. Um, obviously, Johnny Wilson at, at 6'6". This is a good chance for Kalen DeLoach to maybe come in with some some more size. You know, We talked about how he came into the East-West Shrine Bowl at 202 pounds. If he can you know, even come into the combine at 212, 215 and still have that same explosiveness, I think that would do him a ton of favors. But just a ton of athletes across this roster that and I think a lot of them are going to test very, very well at the combine. I'm, I'm excited to see how they do in March. Some really good opportunities here for guys, not for some guys to solidify their stock and other guys to really keep boosting it. Obviously, Braden Fisk, a big riser right now. Um, Jaheim Bell has gotten some love ever since the senior bowl. Johnny Wilson, you know, there's still some questions about his hands, but I mean, scouts are just in love with the frame that he presents. So, I mean, if he can have a, a good showing, if those, if all three of those guys can have a good showing on the field and in interviews, you know, just continue to keep pushing themselves in the right direction. Also mentioned Trey Benson and, you know, obviously Keon and, and Jared Verse, if they get out there and, decide to compete in some of these athletic drills. I think they're both going to test near the top of their respective uh, position groups. But, I mean, it's going to be exciting. You know, this is an event where there hasn't been a ton of Florida State representation over the past couple of years. Um, only mm-hmm. only one former Seminole last year, and Jay Robinson, I believe. Uh, I think Corbin actually was able to go to the combine, but he was still dealing with a hamstring injury at that point. And then, and then obviously mm-hmm. – Jermaine was there as well, but now to have 12 guys go in one year, you know, pretty much, and that's a, that's a combine event that spans 10 days or so. I mean, there's going to be a reason for Florida State fans to tune in just about every single day. Yep, 100%. They're going to be interviews. They're going to be having private interviews with teams and everything. It's a great event for them to go, and just to get invited to this is huge for them. And, you know, I think a lot of these guys, too, already have some good draft stock and where we're seeing in some of these mock drafts, but can only rise from there. I think, for me, some question marks on what some of these teams are going to want to do with Jaheim Bell. He's not as specifically blocking tight end, but there's a scheme that I know there's an offense out there, offensive corner that, Things that can fit that offense. I'm just wondering how Jaheim Bell shapes up in that uh, NFL combine. I'm looking at Kalen Deloach. We were talking about him a couple episodes ago. Smaller right now in size. Interested to see if he's going to put on some more pounds as we get closer to the combine. Um, and just just for entertainment reasons, you know, a lot of questions I saw on Twitter about Jordan Travis. We put out a piece a couple weeks ago about what he intends on doing. He talked with the Steelers outlet. Informing them, you know, not 
planning on participating at the combine, still going through rehab, but he feels like he's going to be a hundred percent once he get, gets close to football season, NFL football season. And then, you know, for him, he's going to be spending a lot of times doing media interviews along with, you know, sitting down with some teams and having those private interviews. Um, but yeah, some freak things to look at with some of these guys like Braden Fisk, Johnny Wilson, Jared first, Trey Benson, Keon, you know, how he performs as well. But yeah, Johnny's got to, if he can fix those hands and, and he can deliver well in the combine, that would be huge for him as well because he was kind of a little wishy-washy tiny bit in the senior bowl during those practices. There's some things that he can clean up there. He's got He's got the physical attributes, but can you just take care of the one job that you have to, the most serious one when you're a wide receiver is catch that ball. So, uh, yeah, if you're an FSU fan, there's no reason why you shouldn't be glued into your TV and, and that long weekend. Yeah, we'll I'm just excited. You. I was just going to say, I'm just excited to have a big batch of Knowles heading to the NFL because it kind of started getting a little slower. And on Sundays, I'd be like, all right, I wish there were some more <laughs> FSU guys out there. But now – get this batch in there and then it makes our coverage a lot more fun on Sundays for sure. And yeah, we'll see how Johnny does but The medicals here are going to play a big part for a couple of Seminoles. And, you know, you mentioned Jordan Travis, but, you know, interested to see how Fabian Lovett comes out because he's a guy that's dealt with various lower body injuries throughout the last couple of years. And then Tatum Bethune, you know, missed that uh, orange bowl game was out there trying to get ready for the game, but wasn't quite able to go due to um, a lower body injury. So, you know, he's spent the last couple of months recovering and be interested to see if he's able to fully go with the combine as well. I was honestly a little surprised to see him get the invite. Honestly. And that's not a discredit to him, but we just haven't heard about him much since the season ended. Like, he wasn't at any of these All-Star events. It's been pretty quiet on Tatum Bethune fronts. To see him get a combine invite, to me, surprised me a little bit. I, I know it's a lot of at the request of the team, so it's good to see that some teams are interested in him at least. And I think that's probably why it's been so quiet, just because he's been recovering from an injury. And I'm sure he communicated that to whatever all-star games had interest in him. And, you know, it's it's good that they're at least still going to get him up there to the combine to get a good look at him in front of, you know, every NFL scout and GM and coach that you can imagine. I love our guy, Terrell. Always coming in here, showing some love, but I love this specifically. What up, my boys? What up, the great Logan? What up, the legend, Austin? what up bro dustin <laughs> all right well i'll take what i can get every week though it's the same it's thing the same every thing. week though so it's nothing nothing and it's, and it's the same thing in the discord too it's like Dustin's so very clearly third that it's quite funny <laughs> used to third but, wheeling dustin, <laughs> no, because you're the one that's married me and vz are the ones here that are about where, this. where are you going with that direction. yeah, yeah that's gonna head the wrong direction let's uh, move on here fs uh espn way too early rankings there's nothing better than having way too early rankings in february not even in spring camp yet but why not vz i know loves early rankings he's the i mean this guy he's the one that sent it to me he was like yo we got to discuss this on the show let's talk some early rankings because you're 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 big on just the day-to-day -day <laughs> rankings we're wearing when we're in football season so you definitely want to know the way too early rankings right for for those that haven't listened to the podcast for very long, he's being very sarcastic. <laughs> no, you love you love the rankings. You love the AP poll when that's coming out. But really, this is your time to shine. Way too early rankings on February 14th on Valentine's Day. This is where ESPN put Florida State. They put Florida State at number 15. Number 15. 
Uh, I'll go through the list here. Georgia, one. Ohio State, two. Oregon, three. Texas, four. Notre Dame at five. Ole Miss, six. Missouri at seven. Penn State at eight. Alabama at nine. Ten, Utah. Arizona at 11. LSU, 12. Michigan, former national champions at number 13. Oklahoma, 14. Then Florida State at 15. So those are the teams that ESPN is ranking in their way too early ones ahead of Florida State there. Still not in the playoff, huh? Nope, not in the playoff. <laughs> nope, FSU snubbed again. Snubbed again. Well, Unreal. technically, weren't they the highest ACC team there? So technically. Hey, but we, we've seen it before, though, Vizy. No, nah, the conference required? champions are yeah, conference champions guaranteed now. So they would they, technically be in. Uh, it's February. Who cares? Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, easy. Just <laughs> I agree. I mean, who cares? Because it's also kinda, also it's ESPN. Who cares? It's ESPN, but it's also really hard to project Florida State right now because you're adding yeah. in nearly forty new players. They're not even all here yet. I mean, the Florida State's not even done necessarily making additions yet. We'll see whatever they decide to hit on after the spring. But, I mean, there are still some positions that they could shore up, some more guys that come in. I don't know how they're going to do it with the scholarship stuff, but the numbers will always find a way to work themselves out in the end. So I'm sure that the coaching staff has a plan there. But the roster is technically not finalized. There's a lot of guys coming back who have a lot of potential but haven't yet proven it on the field just yet. So I think with Florida State, you know, you're looking more at potential and what they could become rather than necessarily the proven production. And that's something that they're going to get dinged on a lot by some of these national outlets that aren't there to cover the team day by day. I, I will say I was surprised to see Alabama still in the top 10. It's Alabama. You know, I, I get that's ESPN's baby and they have to protect their golden child. But that's a team that lost a lot of talent in between the coaching staff, the roster, all over the place. I, I don't know that they're going to be ninth by the end of the season, especially with just how many teams are on the SEC and how many of them play each other. I, I think it's going to be tough for them to be the ninth best team in college football this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there's I, I just, I'm just looking at it. and just create some content and just a little bit of discussion, just like what we needed to fill up space for five minutes, and we did do our job here, and we filled up a little <laughs> five minutes on a way-too-early rankings in February 14th, and whenever we get the updated way-too-early rankings, we'll have it here first for you at Hear the Sphere, so make sure you subscribe and not uh, miss out on that. And I'll be shaking my head during that segment, too. <laughs> you gave some great analysis though and thanks trust me Appreciate i'll be it. looking for the text from you i know you're subscribed to those rankings so i know we'll get that from you first um yeah so that's going to be the way too early rankings last thing on here before we jump into basketball pff released their super bowl mock draft and this one it held three seminoles including jared verse keon coleman Braden fisk uh they start off with jared verse landing with the Minnesota Vikings at number 11 there, VZ. That one to get you a little excited. And then at number 32, still sticking in the first round, is Keon Coleman going to the defending Super Bowl champions, Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. I love that projection. I love it. That sounds really tasty. That one would be fun. Not so much for my Steelers and the AFC, even though... I don't want to talk about it. Arthur Smith still on my team. Um, Braden Fisk, though. This is a cool one. 
getting projected to go at number 61 selection to Dan Campbell and the Detroit Lions. Please no. BZ's saying no. BZ's saying no. Uh, He's a Vikings fan. Yeah, I'm a Vikings fan. He'd be in my division and go against Ed Ingram two times a year. No. That's true. That's true. That's true. That's true. That's true. That's, That's fine. We'll just switch off. Jared Verse and Braden Fiske's no. projection. No. <laughs> so Minnesota going to have Fisk, and we'll do Verse at 61 to Detroit. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know that. That might be a little, little – that might be tough. Um, But – I'm just going to go off this article here. If the prediction rings true, it would be the first time that at least three Seminoles are selected in the top 100 since 2015. Yeah. Florida State wow. produced sixth, third round, or higher selections, including number one overall pick, J-Boo, Jameis Winston. Wow. That, that was yeah. a heck of a year. That was the, what, Jameis? Nuts. Nick O'Leary. I mean, man, there were, there were so I many. Mean, Nick O'Leary was like a sixth-round pick, right? Yeah, he did not qualify for so. that stat that I put in the article. But he still got drafted that year. 2015, that would have been that would have been what? Cam Irving was a first rounder. PJ Williams. Darby. Not a first rounder, but yeah. Yeah, PJ and Darby. Yeah. What, where was Mario? That, yeah, that was Mario's year. Benjamin Eddie, Gold, Eddie Mario? Goldman. Right. Yeah, Mario, Eddie Goldman. Because Eddie Goldman was 15. This is right? someone. What about Telvin? Telvin was like a Telvin was fifth round pick, and he would have been the year before. He was undersized. Oh, twenty fifteen. My bad. Fifteen's after the Rose Bowl um, loss. Yeah. yeah, fourteen would be after the Natty. Yeah, that was stack squad there. But I mean, we're gonna have a really fun time once we get to this NFL draft. I mean, versus the Vikings would be so much fun. Obviously, there's. To, to get into like some Viking specifics here, Ed Rusher's a huge question mark for them right now. Daniel Hunter's a free agent. TJ Waddle's a free agent. Marcus Davenport's a free agent. They kind of they need someone there, even if you bring Daniel Hunter back. And if I could have Verse and Daniel Hunter screaming off the edges, I think that'd be a lot of fun. Hell yeah, it would be. Saw Daniel Hunter uh, at the Pro Bowl. Good guy. Big boy. But, I uh, man, I, I really love that Keon projection because um, – I was going to bring it up earlier, and we were talking about the Super Bowl, but I thought this year was the most – this is the most impressed I've been for oh, Patrick for sure. Mahomes because, I mean, the other years were great, but this year to have no true number one receiver, really not even a number two receiver, if you want to look at what Kansas City is putting out there. I would, I would say Rasheed Rice is a good number two. He's a rookie, right? Yeah. I mean, still, so that's insane. Well, yeah, it's yeah. not solidified. Yeah, yeah. it's just they know. don't have that. They don't have that Tyree kill like they used to have. And he's still going out there and I mean, lead them to a Super Bowl. The, the stat was insane that they're seven and zero in the playoffs since they traded Tyreek. I mean, that's that's nuts. But to have an opportunity to grab someone like Keon potentially at the top of the first round, six foot four, two hundred and fifteen, two hundred and twenty pounds or so, athletic freak. You know, we saw what he was able to do at Florida State whenever he was healthy. I mean, man, that would fit right into what they're doing. You get a cost-controlled rookie contract as well for him for four years and see what he develops into as Patrick Mahomes, who's only 28 years old, is still hitting that prime of his career. I think that would be an insane combination. The crazy thing is the two teams I've seen Keon mock to the most is, jo is Josh Allen and the Bills and Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Mm -hmm. Either so way, we'll send it. <laughs> yeah, either way, it's perfect for him. Teams that 
need a receiver. I think Buffalo would be an amazing fit for him because obviously you have Stephon Diggs who lost a step this year, but is still a very good number one receiver. You put Keon in that offense with Dalton Kincaid and, and Dawson Knox, that's a fun offense at Buffalo. But for this scenario specifically, Kansas City could arguably take two receivers with their first and second round picks. Keon in the first would be fun. And obviously he's in, in that same range. would be like A.D. Mitchell at Texas, Bucky Irving at Oregon. But yeah, it'd be cool to see Keon Coleman go to that offense and play alongside Patrick Mahomes. Be fun, be fun to watch as long as it's not against Pittsburgh and the. Yeah, uh, even that, it'd be even more fun then. No, not really though. Not too much. Not with our secondary. I don't want to even get close to that. Please don't. And, he, and I remember, I remember he said, uh, I think it was a podcast interview that we wrote an article off of. But he said like a big reason he went to Michigan State out of high school was to get used to that colder weather that he's going to have to deal with in the NFL. So I mean, this is something that he's been thinking about in the back of his mind for years. I'm just wondering if he lasts that long. You know, we'll see. Some things, you know, wide receivers getting, are getting taken earlier now. Tight ends are so much more of a, a priority and important uh, position group in the NFL. We'll see if he can last that long. But, yeah, Kansas City would be really fun for Keon, and whew, he'd have a good it's, chance of getting a ring early. It's kind of one of those with Keon that, his injury in the second half of the season definitely dropped him down on some boards. He went from being a potential top 10, top 15 pick to kind of seems consensus. He's in that 25 to 30 range. So we'll see what happens. If he if he tests well at the comment, obviously things change. If he comes out and runs, you know, a 4-4 yeah. at that size and at that, at that weight, that would help him a lot. But the injury definitely seemed to hinder him, at least. I think if he, was. <clears throat> Yeah, there's a few guys like FSU and they're, realm if they go off and i'm thinking keon specifically johnny you know th these guys do everything right up in indy take care of the meetings well like but they skyrocket back to where they were kind of projected there after what they did against lsu in the early part of the 2023 season i think trey benson's got the most money to make honestly because he's kind of he solidify himself as number one running back he can solidify yeah. himself like it it kind of seems like he's in that four to five running back spot if he comes out and runs, you know, in the high four threes, which I think he can do, honestly, everyone's gonna go. He's six one, two twenty, running four three. Yeah, we gotta, we gotta start moving him up the board a little bit. He was at two thirty this last year, which yeah, is crazy. So, <laughs> so yeah. if he if he comes out and runs the speed that we all know he can run, because he was a he was a track athlete in high school. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure I was talking with him uh, in the springtime, maybe it was fall camp, and. He was at 235 and planning to trim down to 230 for the season. And that's what he was playing at weight-wise. And then I was like, man, I feel like that's heavy for you. I feel like that's pretty heavy for you. And then he fucking flies off the sideline and takes it 40 yards downfield. Like, that's just freakish, freakish. But, yeah, they're, that's why the, like the combine, everybody should make sure they're asking off Thursday, Friday, making sure they can watch that because it's going to be super, super fun. And we're going to do our bets, too. When we get closer, we're going to do our 40 bets. Whoever wins wins something. I don't know, figure something out, but uh, uh, it's going to be fun. I'm so excited. Um, basketball time. Basketball time to end off the pod. Florida State fell to Virginia Tech late last night for VZ, who was in attendance. He brought the VZ bad juju, sadly. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to put it on you, but I mean, no, got to find I someone to kind of excuse so it doesn't hurt the ham slander on here so we got to blame it on you 
I, I put it on myself before the game. Uh, I okay. wanted I wanted to be known that I put in the preview article that I've been very bad at FSU basketball games. Really, I'm now one in fifteen in my last sixteen games. It's not pretty. Wait, oh my gosh, he already had. Yeah, we, how, we, how is that we were, possible? We were talking about in the Discord. It's because it's all road games in the state of North Carolina and Virginia for the most part, where we don't play very well. It does it's, tend to skew the result, I guess. It's games at Duke, at Carolina, at Virginia, at Virginia Tech, at Clemson. These are all places Florida State historically does not play very well. Um, at the same time, there's a couple neutral site games in there that Florida State should have won, but we don't talk about those. Um, last night, this, the second half was just... It was brutal. You know, They go in a halftime tied at 39... He had a great two-for-one situation right before the half to, to get the game tied. And you're going into halftime with momentum. Virginia Tech comes out, first play as a lob to Lynn Kidd in the first five seconds of the half. And from there, it was all downhill. Jameer Watkins picked up two quick fouls to give him three with, you know, what was it, 18.30 left in the second half. So he had to sit for a little bit. It was just another foul, foul-laden free-throw-heavy game, and... Florida State just hasn't had a ton of luck with those lately. I think there's 61 total free throws last night. And still, Florida State could have won the game, and the team knows that. Jalen Worley stole a pass with 430 left, down five. Takes it in transition, gets fouled on the lamp attempt, ball rims out. and So instead of having an in-one opportunity, shooting two free throws, misses both free throws, so you're still down five. Virginia Tech comes back, gets an and-one goal ten. So instead of being down two or three, two or three with four minutes left, you're down eight. And the game was over then. The The team was out of it. The, the life had been sucked out of them. It was just, you could tell right there they lost the game. And it, it sucked because they could have won. They really could have won. Jameer Watkins was unbelievable. Like, <laughs> he was unstoppable. 26 points, seven of nine from the floor, three of three from three, six rebounds, four assists, three blocks, two steals. Did absolutely everything he could possibly do and just didn't get much help from anyone else. Darren Green had a fine game with 14 points. Was finally hitting some threes. Outside of that, it was rough from pretty much the rest of the team, and it sucks. It really sucks. You can say it about any team, but I mean, it's just tough to watch. You know, three after three, clang, clang. You know, when someone's going to the line, like the most they're going to do is one out of two. It's it's tough. I mean, this team has struggled shooting all season, but it just seems like the road woes are starting to settle in. And now, you know, you've lost four out of five. And I, I think the team understands at this point, there's, there's no, there's not really a path to the NCAA tournament unless they were to pull some crazy run in the ACC tournament yeah. and win the whole thing. And they, they, yeah. they'd have to, they'd have to win the ACC tournament. I mean, really the, the three point shooting wasn't Florida state's doing in last night. I mean, they're eight of 18 from three. That's much better than we've got from them really in the last month but going you know 19 to 29 from the free throw line isn't great and then the the thing that killed him is points off of turnovers virginia tech scored 23 points off of 13 florida state turnovers where florida state had just seven points off of 11 virginia tech turnovers that's usually something florida state dominates and for them to get beaten that badly in that statistic by virginia tech it's not great that that's something that they have to win game after game if they want a chance to win the basketball game itself. And you just, especially Virginia Tech, I mean, they killed they killed Virginia Tech on turnovers in January in the Tucker Center. So not just not a great showing. 
Um, I don't know if they were looking ahead a little bit to Saturday because Duke's coming to town, but um, they got to be better. There's just too many boneheaded decisions in that second half. Like Primo Spears intentionally fouling out with a minute and a half left on an 89% free throw shooter just made absolutely no sense to me. Um, Cam Corn had a couple really bad fouls. He fumbled the ball out of bounds after Jalen Worley missed two free throws to maybe cut back into the lead. Just just a lot of tiny little mistakes that can very easily be fixed, and you know they're going to have to. Just seems like the defense has fallen off yeah. as of late. I mean, not only last night, but you know you go back to that Virginia game. Really, you throw out that Boston College win. Um, you know what was it like a a week week and a half ago, and you've got yeah, the week. the Louisville game, which was. You, you talked Ooh, about yeah. it the first time that Florida State had given up 100 points since however long. and 2017. The North Carolina game before that. The defense, which seemed to be improving some in January, and the guys were like really bought in on that side of the floor, it's kind of it's diminished. For sure. I mean, there was a time in late January, I think Florida State was a top 30 defense on Kempom, and now they are – I haven't checked in a sec. I haven't checked in a minute. Now they're 59th. So they've fallen off a cliff these last couple of weeks. And the Virginia game was, I don't even know how to describe the Virginia game. Very strange. <laughs> the offense was amazing. Right. Like If you look at the final score, you're like, wait, hold up. Florida State scored how many points on Virginia and they lost? Like Virginia was only allowing teams to score 30, 40, 50 points for the three weeks leading up to the game. And Florida State puts up 75 or whatever it was, 76. And they shot like 72% on two-point shots. They were amazing from the free throw line. And they lost because Isaac McNeely had every wide open three. And I think he had, what, 28, 29 points? Just a very weird Virginia-Florida State basketball game. I think the projected total was 125 for reference. And they combined for 156. It's... <laughs> Just, it's- it's crazy when you think about the way Virginia plays, and we were talking about coming into that game, the 60-38 to 38 win against Miami. You know, you're expecting some ugly slugfest, and instead you got Florida State and Virginia going up and down the floor, putting up 70-plus points each. And a, a lot of it was free throws. I mean, Florida State, I want to say they were 26 of 33 from the free throw line. I'm going off, going off the top of my head here. But it's the most free throws anyone shot against Virginia in close to a decade. There was a lot of Virginia fans that were not happy about that game. And, you know, understandably so when Virginia of all teams is allowing 33 free throws. Just a uh, classic Jamie Lucky officiated game. Yikesers. Yikesers, yikesers. Well, hopefully they bounce back. Well, as I am paying attention to anything that's going on. He's just waiting for the noise I, to stop so he can be like, all right, show's over. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I would never do that. I would never do that. I'm not over here already getting the rough draft to upload to the podcast platforms at all. I would never do that. I'm not writing the description and the title and everything. <laughs> I would never do that while listening. Uh, but yeah, that's going to wrap up the show. Thank you, D. Lou, for the transition. Thank you very much for that. Look at this. Under an hour. Under hour. I have a feeling this is going to be the way it goes from here on out unless we have a guest coming on to help us out and carry the show. But uh, that's all she wrote for this week. We just want to let everybody know, too, we've got now YouTube just uploaded a new platform where we can share our podcast on there. So if you guys want to go check that out, 
I know a lot of y'all are on YouTube anyways, so they just launched their podcast platform. So all of our episodes and old ones are being uploaded this week as we speak. So if you guys want to use that, if not, you can always use iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, everywhere. We're all on there for your audio listeners. But that's going to do it for this week's episode. Hopefully next week we'll have a guest for you guys so we can chop it up with them. But yeah, everybody have a great rest of y'all's Valentine's Day. Dilu, you've got some work to do. We ended it right here at 8 o'clock, so no excuses. You better go figure out dinner. What you're picking up. You don't Publix is still open another two hours, so you can jot over there and grab some grab some wine. I think you can clear that or magic happen. <laughs> okay, so just a regular Wednesday evening. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, yeah. Appreciate everybody. Thanks so much during the slow time. Trying to keep you guys a little bit up to date with what's going on in the football and basketball side and recruiting wise. But uh, we're still going to kick it and, and keep the show rolling. So, yeah, have a great weekend. And we'll talk to you guys next week at Wednesday at 7 p.m. Peace. <laughs>